0: Get ready. Yeah! Yeah! Because Under the Dome with CD starts right now. Let's do it. I'm ready. Let's do it.
1: And good morning, beautiful people. Hopefully, you are having a stupendous Saturday morning. The Open Championship going down right now. We got some fantastic weather outside so hopefully you're enjoying it however you're doing so and also appreciate you listening in if you're listening in on 1037 live yet 1041 Lake Charles the Towers of Power that are Southwest Louisiana Sports Station and anywhere else like the mobile apps 1037thegame.com 1041thegame.com and your Amazon Echoes just let your smart speaker know that you want to play the game, Southwest Louisiana, and bada-bing, bada-boom, you get it in your life. I'm honestly, the Astros lost last night, which stunk to high heaven, but at the same time, when you don't have Jordan Alvarez, you don't have Michael Brantley, and you especially don't have Jose Altuve, those things kind of happen, mind you. I'm probably nowhere near as apoplectic as one Kevin Foot is, because that man was out there watching the game live and in living color. And as somebody who's watched more than his fair share of Astros' losses, I know it sucks to see it, especially live. That said, this is a place of positivity because we're getting that much closer to one of my favorite times of the year, and that is talking season. We're only about 48 hours out from the beginning of talking season in a lot of people's minds, and that's SEC Media Days, which we'll get into more in our number two but in the meantime and in between time, we need to get down to brass tacks and talk about what's causing all this. What's gotten me all fired up and heated up on this Louisiana Saturday morning. And if you haven't listened to the show before, World Famous CD is going to take you to church with your Saturday sports sermon.
0: The Famous CD is on his soapbox to start your Saturday. Oh, testify! It's time for your Saturday Sports Sermon.
1: It's always interesting to go back to one last takes and bring them back into this show. It's a lot like what we hear well, I like to call the Sheldon Cooper of Sports Radio 1 Colin Cowherd likes to do when Colin was right, when Colin was wrong. And more often than not, yours truly is pretty wrong. And I'm willing to admit that I'm not like Fonzie and can't admit when he's see Fonzie can't do it, but I sure as hell can say I was wrong. When I thought that nobody would want Sean Payton at the helm of their franchise, not because of the quality of a coach that he was back in the day, which is not too long ago, but it's the fact that teams, Could they be willing to give up a King's ransom, if you will, for Sean Payton? Because that's what you're going to have to do to give him up. Because for the first time, I think, ever, the New Orleans Saints have bargaining chip. They have a bargaining chip. They have actual power to say, hey, you want him? Give us what we want. You look at what they've done in the NFL draft the last few years. They've had to give up. To go up in the draft. To do what they normally do and go get somebody that's really good. This year, he had to trade it to go get Chris Olave. This is a golden opportunity. A golden goose, if you will, in 2023. When you know teams are going to be flocking to the Saints. Whenever they do indeed let their head coach go. Somebody who wants them. A team that's desperate enough to fork over a good bit of draft picks is going to be calling the New Orleans Saints to get Sean Payton, who has done a really solid job. And again, may have just been time to kind of part ways and get the new era started. Jeff Horchak, I know he he posited the theory many moons ago about the idea of Sean Payton and Drew Brees walking out both at the same time. Didn't necessarily work out that way, but it was pretty doggone close. Again, this team is going to get a lot of capital. And the capital in this world of football, especially now, is draft picks. And I think he's worth a little bit more than you might imagine. When you just think about it from the surface levels here in conversation just the first and second round, I think it's more than one first and second round. And a big reason why is because the last time something like this happened, it turned the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, for at least a moment, from a perpetual lol cow into a super bowl champion like that and it was all because of chucky john gruden getting traded from the oklahoma raiders to the bucks for first round picks in 2 and 3 and also some second rounders i believe it was the 3 and 4 seasons think about that you gave up that for john gruden also eight million dollars in cold hard cash if you don't think Sean Payton isn't worth that much, if not more, I don't know what to tell you because you're the New Orleans Saints. You control all the power because you still have Sean Payton under contract. Because you know there are teams, namely a team out in DF Dub, that absolutely wants Sean Payton as the head coach. We've been talking about it for damn near a decade plus about, oh, Sean Payton's going to go over and join the Dallas Cowboys, blah, 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 blah. And of course, that's kind of where we're at. And it, But it's interesting. There's not just one suitor. There's three potential suitors. So it feels like an episode of The Dating Game where all you need left is Bob Eubanks in this equation. Of course, the Dallas Cowboys are in the conversation because a lot like me bringing pro wrestling and pop culture into any and every discussion I have at this point. The Dallas Cowboys and Sean Payton are attached at the hip. Because of one, Jarrah Jones. And it feels like that's been his white whale. That's been the one thing he's been trying to get for years. And now he has an opportunity to go get that guy. And that's the the way it's going to be. And if he wants Sean Payton to be the next head coach, after the little Jason Garrett era and Mike McCarthy have resulted in zero Super Bowl rings, he's going to have to fork over a godlike Amount of draft picks and probably some cash the way of the New Orleans Saints to get this deal running. And I've already said my piece in the past about what I think if Sean did indeed go back to the Big D. And I'll say it again I'll treat him like LSU fans do with Nick Saban and boo him. And also, more importantly, hope he gets his ass royally kicked every time he plays the black and gold, especially inside the Caesars Superdome. Because I just can't stand the Dallas Cowboys. Their constant thought of them being America's team. America's team's been gone a long time. In all honesty, I'd say America's team, there's there's no really true America's team these days, at least in my heart of hearts. I could be completely off base here on that. But that's where it's at. Now, you look at the other two elephants in the room. Well, they're not elephants. They're not two Alabama Crimson Tides. They're the Miami Dolphins and the Los Angeles Chargers. And this is a report from Barry Jackson. This is the guy that kind of started this whole conversation about potentially Sean Payton getting back into the coaching game in 2023. And what's wild is you literally just hired these two head coaches within the last couple of seasons. Brandon Staley just finished his first year at Los Angeles and was literally a timeout, a botched timeout call away from getting into the playoffs by the skin of his teeth because of the fact that you could have had a mutually agreed tie but they decided to go ahead and louse that up in the most mean way possible and then the Dolphins hired Mike McDaniel and also caused a complete bleep storm because of the firing of Brian Flores in the immediate aftermath with him trying to go get the job over in New York absolutely a complete and utter mess to say the very least now if I were power ranking things which we do more now or too but if I were power ranking the jobs I think would give up a good bit of capital more importantly would fit what Sean Payton wants because apparently he wants warm weather which as somebody who's been born and raised here in South Louisiana for raising his entire life lived here if I were a head coach, I'd much rather go somewhere where it's relatively warm weather. I'm not going up to Minnesota, bro. There ain't no way. Green Bay, uh-uh. New York, I'm definitely going to no New York franchise. Because those things are an absolute dumpster fire at this point in time. So give me some warm weather. But also, I think if you're the New Orleans Saints, you've got to take full advantage of the fact that teams want him and teams need him. In all honesty, the Cowboys are the leader in the clubhouse with the Chargers right behind them. But I think the Dolphins are way behind the pack in this tier list, if you will. I just think if Jones wants him, he'll open up a war chest to get his guy because of how important he is to his plans in the future. At least in my mind, I think a lot a lot of the hearts and minds of people who follow the Saints and follow the NFL on a regular basis. It just has been the point of contention, the point of conversation for a long time in the NFL has been Jerry Jones has just been wanting to have Sean Payton be his head coach. It's always been eh uh-uh, but I think now you have an opportunity to have your cake and eat it too. So while I am completely against the idea of Sean Payton being a Dallas Cowboys head coach, if it results in you fleecing Jerry Jones... I am more than okay with the idea of Jerry Jones taking over. The Chargers, I wouldn't be surprised. And you have somebody like Sean Payton. He could help develop Justin Herbert, who has done well. And I'd say better than I expected. Because if you listen to this show in the past, I've mentioned how I wasn't necessarily a huge fan of Justin Herbert. I wasn't sold on him coming out of college, but he's done a really serviceable job with what he's been working with. It's not like Philip Rivers in his prime, the type of talent he's been working with. We're talking Hunter. We're talking guys that aren't necessarily on the level of Hunter Henry, Antonio Gates, and the like. We're talking about some, some run of the mill type guys. Imagine what he can do with Sean Payton at the helm, the dolphins. I don't know what the dolphins direction is, it feels at times it's like a rudderless ship. I don't know why they have all this talent. They've been working their asses off to get great players. Tua to Tagovailoa, he's done well enough considering his injuries. Now, what you can get, I know obviously you're not going to try and get a big name free agent when it's all said and done to be that new quarterback. You can't really pull off a Drew Brees. You tried doing that with Tom Brady and kind of offering him ownership in the franchise, allegedly, but he decided to stick around and go and stay with Tampa by the Bay after retiring On retiring, that whole thing. Which is further proof why I think Tom Brady is the ultimate, you know, worker in the world of the NFL. But that's besides the point. It's feels like it's always going to be the Cowboys. Now, Depending what happens, I mean, if something like New England comes up, I wouldn't be surprised if they'd want to fork over some draft picks and some capital from the Saints franchise to get Tom Brady. But right now, the Cowboys are the leader in the clubhouse and a very close second is are those Los Angeles Chargers. I almost wanted to say San Diego, but we can't call them that anymore. But that's kind of the lay of the land when it comes to one of the biggest topics in the state of Louisiana, and that's the future of one Sean Payton. And I think this actually is a great thing for the Saints because, again, they have the bargaining chip. They have the power in this debate and this, these negotiations to get what they want, which doesn't happen all that often. All right, it's under the dome at CD, and I'm telling you, we have got you covered for Damn near the next two weeks when it comes to talking season. And it starts off with SEC Media Days live in a living color from the ATL. We've packed our bags. I know Miguez is probably halfway there at this point. I know RP3, he's heading over there right now. So Monday, July 18th, RP3 and Company and Crunch Time with Miguez and Mesh are going to be broadcasting live. From the College Football Hall of Fame for the Games Live. SEC Media Days coverage presented by Border Law Furniture. Not only will RP3 and Matt be broadcasting live, there will also be some great live updates every day on both footnotes and the Jordy Holbrook Show. So kick off the 2022 season in style in the ATL with the game. Southwest Louisiana Sports Station. We're gonna go ahead and take a quick timeout, gonna talk about those New Orleans Pelicans. Last night had a tough loss to the Los Angeles Lakers. But there's a theory that I think is starting to be becoming a scientific fact at this point. And we'll break it down next right here on the game. 103.7 Lafayette and one hundred four one Lake Charles Southwest Louisiana Sports Station. And your home for the Houston Astros and LSU Tigers. We have Cam Rogers. He'll be joining the show at the bottom of the hour. Talking about the open. So we'll get to all that in hour number one. Back. Welcome back to Under the Dome with CD right here on the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana Sports Station and your home for the uh, LSU Tigers and Houston Astros. And guess what? You can score a brand new Apple Watch, and all you have to do is send a simple text message. You heard me right. It's that simple. You can score a brand new Apple Watch right now Thanks to us here at the Game 1037 Lafayette at 1041 Lake Charles just by joining our brand new text club. That's right. It's 2022. We got a new text club because, well, starting to run out of those, you know, five-digit codes like our old one used to be. So we had to upgrade a little bit, adding 10 digits instead of the five. So if you're driving, hand the phone over to your friend, your partner, whoever it is. And have them text this. If you don't, if you're driving solo, just don't text and drive, obviously. Just keep a mental note of this. That way, when you come to complete stop, you reach your destination, you can text this code, and you can win a free Apple Watch. And how do you do that? Well, it's simple. Just text four letters, GAME, G-A-M-E. That's four letters, to 10 digits, 337-283. 8100 that's 337 283 8100 just don't forget 337 283 8100 you know how I remember that 283 that's what the score was when the falcons blew their lead against the new england patriots in the super bowl friendly reminder of that and trust me i'll make sure you remember that score forever and once you join the text club again game to 337 283 8100 you'll be eligible to win a brand-new Apple Watch. Plus, you have a ton of chances to score other great prizes like Astros tickets and so much more. I know we got some great things coming up at the Cajun Dome. Maybe you'll have a chance to score some tickets from that as well. So trust me, it pays to enter in our text club today at 1037thegame.com and 1041thegame.com. You go on our website. We actually have a little form that you can fill out too to where you can join our text club that way. Trust me, we've got a lot of different ways for you to win some great prizes. So get in on the action today and join our text club at just text GAME, G-A-M-E, to 337-283-8100. Now let's flip the conversation over. We talk a lot about the Crescent City team that is the New Orleans Saints. It's time to go on the other side and talk about a team that I don't nearly talk about as much as, a, maybe I should, but the the Pelicans just continue to be a team that is a lot like what I've called South Alabama football, consistently inconsistent. And a lot of it's not always their fault, right? And that's where the crux of my conversation is here. If you want to get on the conversation, 337-706-0111, 337-706-0111, is that the Pelicans have been a franchise that can do without the summer league. In all honesty, based off of what I've seen the last few years, the last three seasons, 2021 notwithstanding, because it wasn't necessarily that one, that league's fault whenever Zion went down with his injury that caused him to be out for the entire 21-22 season. just wasn't there. Now, when it comes to the Pelicans, just look at the last few seasons. 2019 is the prime example of that. Zion Williamson came in because you were coming off a massive hype surrounding that big trade that got you B.I., that got you Lonzo Ball, which you wound up getting rid of him down the road, which was the right decision to make. And you wound up getting Zion joined the franchise as the number one pick because of the big trade to get rid of Anthony Davis. Now, all that got put on ice after a half of basketball when he had a knee to knee contact in the first game that wound up being called off due to an earthquake. That should have been a bad sign to begin with. You fast forward to 2022, and guess what? Both of your picks, your top flight picks, the guys that everybody's looking forward to seeing in a Pelicans uniform in 2022, both got injured and are at in the summer league. You've got Dyson Daniels, a guy that was picked in the top 10, and is a really solid player of the G League and was the big highlight of that draft class in 2022 he was taken out after the first game with a sprained ankle now he should be okay for the regular season they talked to him during the game last night and he seemed to be in good spirits so that's a big plus now the other thing is EJ Liddell a diamond in the rough a guy that I think could have been a really good impact player with guys like Trey Murphy and be in the mix He tears his ACL all the way up on Monday, and now there's no way in hell unless you're playing in a championship series. But even then, I don't think that's going to happen with this team the way it's kind of set up right here right now. I think that he's done for the 2022-23 season. So right now, you have a guy that the ankle is a weird injury to where it could affect him a lot more as the season progresses in Dyson Daniels, which sucks. So, I mean, all this has got me thinking. This franchise continues to be cursed. Yes, they played pretty well without those two future stars last night against the Los Angeles Lakers, but let's be honest. This is the Summer League Lakers. This isn't the LeBron James Lakers. Hell, right now you've still got Russell Westbrook on the roster. Hell, you've got Anthony Davis. Who knows if he's going to be 100% healthy over the course of a season. He's never really been, but... You got the Lake Show that really has been the bane of your existence. In fact, I saw this when I was looking at the game last night because I fell asleep before the game ended. And I have to say, SB Nation, their writer for the the gamer, definitely let the purple and gold—and we're not talking LSU purple and gold—shine and the bias all the way through with her lead. As per usual, the lead goes, the Lakers clobbered the New Orleans Pelicans, but this time in their Las Vegas Summer League Exhibition game on Friday. First off, 102-94 is not clobbering. Like, I'm sorry. I understand where you're coming from on this, but 102-94 is an eight-point win. It's not clobbering. Yes, the stats looked a little bit more lopsided, but I'll say this. The Pelicans, with all that they had going against them, competed pretty doggone well. So the person with silver screen and roll who wrote this, and more importantly, the editor who approved it, do a better job. Don't I understand it's more SSB Nation. It's not the Los Angeles Times. But as usual, the Los Angeles Lakers clobbered the Pelicans. It was a 102-94 game. Are you really going to go that direction? I'm going to steal a phrase from the Miz. Really? Really? But again, that's just my opinion. And I'm not even the biggest Pelicans fan. You you people know this. You've heard me say this. I'm not a huge Pelicans fan or a Pelicans believer. They've got so much potential, but they're never able to hit that potential. And it's largely because they're in the Western Conference, one of the toughest conferences, or the toughest conference. Excuse me. There's only two conferences. What am I talking about? The toughest conference in the NBA. You've got the Golden State Warriors who are at the peak of their powers. The Los Angeles Lakers who vary from year to year the Phoenix Suns who knows where they're going to be you've got those teams you got the Dallas Mavericks with Luka Doncic and that team's absolutely going to be a contender for years to come there are a lot of teams in that Western Conference that are going to kind of be that be that glass ceiling for a team like New Orleans prove me wrong in 2022-2023 if Zion Williamson is as godlike as people say that he is Again, I, I said it a few weeks ago when it, they signed the Supermax deal. Now, after all, I've heard about the the contract and the fact they have these injury provisions in place to where it doesn't look nearly as bad as just giving them a straight Supermax deal. That All the stuff I can kind of live with. I'm not going to lie. So, I mean, with the Pelicans, I hope they do well. But... I can't necessarily watch them because my cable provider doesn't have them, so I've got to occasionally sail the seven seas to go watch the Pels unless they're on national TV like they were last night as part of the summer league. Whew! Didn't necessarily think I'd get that hot talking about the NBA, but you know what? It just happens sometimes. We'll take a quick timeout, get into a good mood, and talk to our guy Cam Rogers about the Open, the third round officially underway, and I think we'll definitely get into – who's atop the leaderboard, and they're actually going to get started up. The leading group is going to be getting started in about the next 15 minutes. So we'll take a quick timeout. You're listening to Under the Dome with CD right here on the game, 103.7 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles. We are Southwest Louisiana Sports Station and your home for the LSU Tigers and Houston Astros.
0: The world-famous CD may be in his 30s, but he's still a kid at heart. (laughs) (laughs) Now, let's get back to a guy that has an unhealthy obsession with a number that offensive linemen wear. With Under the Dome. With the world-famous CD. On the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles. Southwest Louisiana's sports station.
1: Welcome back to Under the Dome with CD right here on the game. 103.7 Laugh Yet and 104-1 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana Sports Station. Hopefully you're having a fantastic Saturday. I know I sure am because it's the Open weekend. Before we get to the British Open going on right now, definitely a fun leaderboard to say the very least. And we'll talk about that in a few with our good friend Cam Rogers. But let me tell you that you got a chance to see the Astros. Yes, they lost last night. Yes, Kevin Foote is probably depressed as I will get out. Maybe he's making his way back from H-Town to make it back to Lafayette, Louisiana. But they're still a pretty doggone hot team. Yes, they're without Jose Altuve for a little bit and Jordan Alvarez, but they should be back in time for their big contest against a team that is also red hot, and that's the Seattle Mariners, when they square off on July 30th. We want you to get out there and see this contest live and in living color with the Astros Weekend Getaway. Sign up today in the clubhouse at 1037thegame.com or 1041thegame.com. It's free to enter and it's free to join. And you have a chance to win this great prize package that includes a four-ticket, a tour of Minute Maid Park, and hotel accommodations for that Saturday night. Astros Weekend Getaways are powered, as always, from Butcher Air Conditioning, La Meridian Houston downtown, and the game. Southwest Louisiana Sports Station also your home for the Houston Astros and LSU Tigers. But now let's get out to the game hotline and get some conversation going about the open and he is the host of the Lock it in podcast and probably the third most important camera right now today. And that is Cam Rogers. Cam, how are you doing?
2: What's going on, CD? Good to be with you. My Saturday morning tradition during major championship season here. Good to be with you.
1: It's great to have you on the show as well. And like I said, you're the third most important cam right now because you got Cam Smith and Cam Young out there, and they are the two guys kind of in control right now with Cam Cameron Cam Smith, excuse me, at 13 under, then Cameron Young out at 11 under. Definitely going to be a fun Saturday once the leaders get started in the next few minutes.
0: Yeah, absolutely.
2: It's a great day to be a Cam. There's no doubt about it. Cam Smith, obviously the player's champion earlier this year, CD, certainly on my radar, he was number two in terms of my power rankings going into the week. I thought he had a really good shot at winning this thing. And so far, so good with him. Great wind player. He's a grinder. You know, his short game is absolutely majestic. So Cam Smith rightfully the front-runner, the favorite in terms of the live betting and all that. Cam Young is kind of a different story. He's probably the front-runner to be rookie of the year. He's really had a great season. But this is his first British Open, and so far so good. But the big question now is, can he deal with the weekend pressure at his first Open Championship. Colin Markawa got it done last year in his first Open start, so maybe Cam Young can sort of follow in those footsteps. But we're talking about two different types of golfers in the sense that Cam Smith has been there in the heat of the moment. He was right there at the Masters, obviously. Cam Young, which is kind of new for him as he's going through the major championship heat here.
1: Talk right now with Cam Rogers, host of the Lock It In podcast. And you know, Cam, it's definitely been an interesting last couple days with one of the big stories being potentially the last ride for Tiger Woods at St. Andrews and the way he looked after the disgusting first two rounds, obviously not his best performance over there. And he's on 18 starts crying as he's making his way down the fairway because he knows this is the last time he'll probably be playing inside this majestic golf course What do you think the future holds for Tiger? Does he have at least one more open in him? Or could this be... You're starting to think about the end of the road for him.
2: Yeah, you know, I'll be honest with you. The Masters, the PGA Championship, I wasn't, like, disappointed at all in Tiger. It was just amazing that he was playing. This past week... I was a little disappointed. I'm not going to lie. I was pretty bullish on Tiger, certainly, to make the cut and maybe finish inside the top 20 here this week at the Open Championship, particularly because, to your point, he knows the golf course very well, two-time winner at St. Andrews, and the Open typically caters to that older guard of the PGA Tour. Tom Watson nearly won the dang thing back in 2009 at the age of 59, so put that all together, especially skipping the U.S. Open, getting some rest. I thought Tiger would play well but certainly a disappointment as far as slamming the trunk on a Friday afternoon and then leaving and going back across the pond back to Florida to practice some more perhaps and recover. As far as the future, listen, I think he's going to – play two to three events every single year from here on out until he retires. So, you know, the Masters and the Open, I think, are certainly going to be a part of that rotation. I think he feels like he has the best shot at contending at those events. The PGA and the U.S. Open is going to be pretty difficult for him going forward. Talking about thick, luscious, rough, those golf courses are typically longer than, say, an Open championship and a Masters. So, you know, as far as the future We probably won't see much of him this winter. He may play uh, a couple events. He's got a couple charity events. But as far as the PGA Tour is concerned, I don't think we'll see him until the Masters. So hopefully this is a time for him to sort of reflect, recover, figure out a game plan for next year. I don't want to get to the point of this is the end of the road, but we are certainly in the twilight chapter, if you will. I mean, this is his last sort of ride the next couple of years and i don't know how often he's actually going to contend we'll see hopefully he's healthier and uh ready to sort of walk these undulations of augusta national and some other golf courses next year
1: and i think it's safe to say cam that he's not going to be anywhere near the liv right after some of the remarks that he had before the open got started
2: yeah that was the first time he really went on record about live and You know, he made some interesting comments, and they made sense from his perspective. And by that, I mean Tiger doesn't need another dime the rest of his life. He said, I mean, he got offered a billion dollars basically by Liv, and he turned it down. I mean, like anybody else, I think, on the PGA Tour would have said yes. So for Tiger, I think it's easy for him to say that these players are turning their backs on the PGA Tour because well, Tiger doesn't need the money. But what about the 35-year-old journeyman PGA Tour player who's losing his card left and right, and you know going on the Corn Fairy Tour sometimes and making zero dollars? And then they get offered 10 million dollars guaranteed by the Live Tour without even hitting a golf shot yet. And then when you finish in last, you still make a hundred grand. So I think you know it's a case by case basis. So it's easy again for Tiger and Rory and JT and John Rahm. To sort of finger wag the rest of the players that are going to the Live Tour because they're making a ton of money and they don't need any more money, really, the rest of their lives. But there are other players on the PGA Tour who are struggling to keep their card, struggling to make money, and this Live Tour is an attractive option for them. So, you know, I respect Tiger's opinion, obviously. He's the needle on the PGA Tour. He doesn't move the needle, he is the needle. But there are other nuances to this decision making as far as going to the lift
1: tour. I'd agree with you. Talking right now with Cam Rogers, host of the Lock It In podcast. He's talking with us right now on the game one hundred three seven Lafayette and one hundred four one Lake Charles. And you know, looking at the actual open itself, and who else is kind of in that in that mix? Who would you think could be a real like dark horse to win the whole thing? Because right now it feels like yeah, Cam Smith, Cam Young. Roy McIlroy are all in that mix and kind of getting ready to get started in a mere matter of moments here. Who do you think could wind up being a dark horse to win this whole thing?
2: Yeah, you know, I think if you go down the board, there's some logic to where some guys can make a move because we're talking about really scorable conditions. Cam Smith's number at 1,300 par is the lowest 36-hole number in Open Championship history. So that just goes to show that everybody can score here this week. Keep an eye on Patrick Cantley. He's there at seven under par. He was actually my pick to win going into this week. I think he's got a real shot to make some noise here on a Saturday, as they call it, moving day. He's got some electricity in him. He can make a ton of birdies. And Shane Lowry is on the golf course right now, CD. Of course, the winner at Port back in 2019, five under par through 11. That's a pretty good start for him on a Saturday. And so he could certainly make some noise the rest of today and then into tomorrow. Really good link-style player, of course, as well. And speaking of live, Dustin Johnson, nine under par, he's their best shot, talking about the Liv Tour, in terms of hoisting the trophy tomorrow evening. And boy, would that be a story if Dustin ends up winning it. Pretty surprising that he's playing this well because – it's hard to sort of quantify the talent on the lift tour versus the talent on the PGA tour. Like what does it mean when you play well on the lift tour? Right. But so far DJ is playing pretty well. So can DJ Shane Lowry. Those are some names to watch.
1: How interesting would that be to see you brought it up about the potential of Dustin Johnson hoisting up that trophy when it's all said and done and he's representing the live tour. How much would that give more credibility to the LIV versus kind of to take away some of it? Because obviously we see Phil Mickelson stinking it up on the course, but then you got a guy like Dustin Johnson still at his peak power, and he could very well hoist it up when it's all said and done, mind you. The odds aren't necessarily that great seeing DraftKings have him as an outright winner at plus 1,100. Shane Lowry is moving up, though, at um, uh, plus 2,500 right now.
2: Yeah, I think there's going to be an element of awkwardness, C.D., if DJ does end up winning tomorrow afternoon. And I say that for a couple of reasons. Number one, the RNA which runs the Open Championship, did not allow any of the Live guys to have press conferences. That's a little weird. Number two, Greg Norman, who, of course, is the CEO of Live, two-time Open champion, was not invited to the champion's dinner. So it's like... The RNA, in a way, is talking out of both sides of its mouth. It's like they're allowing the live guys to play, but yet Greg Norman can't come over to the Champions Dinner, and these guys didn't get press conferences leading up to the tournament. So it's like, what's going on here? It would be really, really bizarre. And, I I mean, it's going to be must be TV when uh, the executives of the RNA hand over the claret jug to Dustin Johnson. It's like, what are they going to say about him? You know, it's like – and plus – When you win the Open, you're called the champion golfer of the year. So to your point about credibility on the Live Tour, I I think that would be big from a PR perspective. And, oh, by the way, the Live Tour is currently applying for official World Golf Ranking standings and uh, status, if you will, so that those players on the Live Tour actually get World Rankings points. So we'll see if that is approved. But I think it might if Dustin Johnson wins the Open Championship. Again, it would be must-see TV, no doubt.
1: Cam, thank you so much for coming on, my man. We'll talk to you down the road. Enjoy the rest of your weekend and be safe as you're making your way back over to Maryland, brother.
2: Hey, CD, I appreciate you, man. Enjoy the weekend.
1: I definitely will with all the open talk and more importantly, the potential of the LIV. That'd be a lot like, you know, I'm, I'm again, I said it in the opening segment, we're going to bring wrestling into this. It'd be a lot like back in the 2001 days when WWE got bought out by WWE, where the WCW guy in in kayfabe obviously wins a WWF championship and takes it over to his his side of the of the war. That's that's kind of how I'm equating this. It's a weird way of saying it, but that's how it feels to me. If you see DJ hoist up the the jug when it's all said and done. But again, like the, the open championship odds are kind of interesting right now. Kind of seeing how things pan out. Obviously, Cam Smith the odds on favor by like a mile plus 175 but again Dustin Johnson Shane Lowry those two guys are a little bit of a, on a heater right now and Shane Lowry right now plus 2800 plus 1100 for outright winner so if you're gonna go play some bets that might be an opportunity to go make some make some cash if you will speaking of cash we're gonna talk about some tickets that you could be cashing this weekend with my fave five picks to click right here on the game Lafayette and one zero four one Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana Sports Station, and your home for the LSU Tigers and Houston Astros. And we're back after this.
0: The world-famous CD always has his eyes on the lines out in Las Vegas. Hit me. 20. Hit me. 21.
2: Hit me. 22.
0: Here's his five favorite bets for the weekend. Will he make you rich beyond your wildest dreams? Or will you be cursing him out after he goes 0 for 5? Let's find out on the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's Sports Station.
1: Welcome back to Under the Dome with CD right here on the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana Sports Station, your home for the Houston Astros and the LSU Tigers. And it's my favorite time of the week because I get to look back at last weekend's mistakes and try and move on from them. I think that's absolutely what we try and do each and every week. And last week, I'm looking back at it, and I'm making some, like, SMH emojis and just absolutely getting frustrated looking at it. My five-leg parlay absolutely ate every last bit of it. Because I had the Rays over the Reds, Padres over the Giants, and Rockies over the Diamondbacks. All three of those fell apart quick. I got over nine of the Yankees-Red Sox and the White Sox-Moneyline over Detroit. But obviously, if you don't hit one leg on the parlay, it all falls apart like a house of cards. So here's this week's Fave Five Picks a Click. I'll also throw in a little bonus thing here. Because I saw odds for some college football and, more importantly, some odds for the Cajuns. We'll get to those in a minute. But I'll go through it quickly. We'll put it up on social media as well a little bit after we wrap up here. So my picks to click for this weekend. I'll go the Braves' money line against the Nationals. That's at minus 240. The Braves are absolutely looking good heading into the All-Star break. So give me them. Over eight and a half runs, Red Sox-Yankees. That has definitely been a slugfest every single time these two teams have played. Give me the Dodgers' money line against the Angels' minus 200. The Angels have been god-awful. I almost feel like putting some money in the Mariners, too, while I'm at it, but I'm not going to. Padres' money line going against the Diamondbacks at minus 190. That feels like it's an easy one. Shamanea is going to be on the bump for them. He's been pretty decent in his career. And we'll wrap it up with Astros' A's. Give me the under seven and a half runs. In that contest, you got Justin Verlander potentially on the mound. The Astros without their stars. I think the under is going to hit here at seven and a half runs. So give me that. And all five of those do hit. If they do, I get $56.68 put into the old bank. Again, it's not enough to retire. It's enough to keep the beast fed. And at the end of the day, that's all that matters. Wrap up with this is that I wound up looking it up just on a whim the other day during a lunch break. Was the odds for the – where things stood for the Louisiana Raging Cajuns when it comes to the Sun Belt Conference Championship? And they have the odds out right now on DraftKings at least is the Sun Belt Championship game winner – the Cajuns are currently plus 320. The only other, the, They're not the favorite. App State's the favorite at plus 210. Coastal at pl- plus 550. UL Monroe, for what it's worth, 20,000 to one odds. Don't touch that. But what I really want to get into is the over-under for the Cajuns is eight and a half wins. That is a line that I'm very weird on right now. Because you look at the schedule, it feels... Like it's very feasible to hit that eight, eight and a half, that eight and a half line. At least I think nine wins is definitely on the table for the Cajuns football program. I've got to do a little more research on the team because it's there's some question marks on it. To say, to say the very least, you don't have Levi Lewis anymore. You're kind of trying to figure out who's going to fit in that role under center. Obviously, your running backs is going to be the big thing. Now. You look at it, I think potentially, and I think we've talked about it before, I think Marshall and Arkansas State are your two like swing games. They always are, especially Arkansas State. Marshall, they're going to be looking for some revenge. It's going to be over in Huntington, West Virginia on the road. You've never played there before. It, that could be an uphill climb. Florida State is going to be an interesting one, depending on where they are at that point in the season, but I think that's that's probably going to be a loss. So potentially, you could be 9-3. and 9-3, and 8-2. and two, That's where the bar is right now for the Cajuns, at least in my heart of hearts. But that's about all i got for hour one, hour two of two coming up in just a few. And we're going to have Nick Delator join the program at 1015 talking Florida Gators. We couldn't get him on last week. We try again today. And also we'll start off the hour with my top five things I'm looking forward to from SEC media days. Will it be out there? Well, I won't be but RP3 and Migas will but I got my thoughts on it next right here on the game 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles